During this Thanksgiving season, are you counting your blessings? I hope so. We all need to be doing that. Let me ask you another question. What do you consider to be your greatest blessing? Is it your health, your job, your family? What about spiritual blessings? Are you counting them? If so, what are they? In a moment we are going to consider two of the greatest spiritual blessings that we should be thankful for. Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I want to take this opportunity to wish all of you a very blessed season of Thanksgiving. You know, folks, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite times of the year, a time of family, fellowship, good food. I have many wonderful memories of family gatherings at Thanksgiving, and I'm sure you do too. Personally, I believe that for a Christian, every day of the year should be a day of Thanksgiving. I have found over the years that a heart filled with Thanksgiving is one of the best medicines for emotional and physical health. I make it a point at least once a month, if not more frequently, to sit down and make a list of the things in my prayer journal that I am thankful for. And I sometimes spend as much as 30 to 45 minutes working on the list. In the process, I try to think of things that we take for granted, like pure water to drink, or electricity, or air conditioning, a house to live in, a car to drive. Did you know that 80% of all the sickness in the world is attributable to unsafe drinking water? Did you know that if you keep food in a refrigerator, clothes in a closet, and sleep in a bed with a roof over your head, you are richer than 75% of the entire population of the world? Did you know that out of every 100 people in this world, 18 struggle to live on less than $1 a day, and 53 struggle to live on $2 a day? We have so much to be thankful for in this country, and we tend to be so unthankful. We fret over the fact that we don't have a color TV set in every room when most of the world lives without access to electricity. It's one of the reasons that I believe every American teenager should be sent to live a couple of weeks in a third world country like Mexico, just to see how most people in the world are involved in a daily struggle to merely survive. All of us in the United States should be living with an attitude of gratitude. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Psalm 100, which is labeled with a superscription that says, A Psalm of Thanksgiving. It is the only psalm that bears such a label. It says in part, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. That is the attitude we should live with, even in the tough times when things are not going smoothly for us. Of course, the thing we should be most grateful for is the salvation that Jesus provided us through His sacrifice on the cross for our sins. What a glorious gift! And it is precisely that, a gift. The Bible teaches very clearly that forgiveness of our sins is something that cannot be earned. It is a free gift of God through faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Have you ever thought about the fact that salvation by grace through faith is one of the things that sets Christianity apart from all other religions? Every other religion in the world teaches the satanic concept of salvation through good works. 
Christianity alone teaches that one cannot be saved by good works. That our only hope is the righteousness of Jesus which is applied to us when we put our faith in Him. Pastor Robert Jeffress of First Baptist Church in Dallas has a wonderful way of putting it. He says, Every religion in the world except Christianity is spelled D-O. Only Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. In other words, Jesus did it all for us by sacrificing His perfect life for our sins. A few years ago, I ran across a short video that vividly demonstrates this point. And in the process it shows how thankful we should be to Jesus. The video was produced by a very creative Christian artist named Justin Jackson who is on the staff of Central Christian Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. He has given us special permission to show it to you. Next. File please. Mm-hmm. Some lying, some stealing, and some acts of kindness here and there. I tried to live a good life. Well, let's see how good. This way. Next. Bio, please. Okay, I admit it. I did a lot of bad things. Yes, I see. But I've done good things too, you know, to offset the bad things. Like one time I cheated on a test, but then I cleaned up trash in the park. Mm-hmm. That should balance out, right? Let's find out. This way. That should have balanced out, right? It should have balanced out. Next. Bio, please. Impressive. Oh, yeah. I devoted my entire life to making this world a better place. I dug wells in Africa. I donated blood every month. And I ran an orphanage in India. I mean, I just wish I could have done more. Mm-hmm. And is this your subscription? I only read the articles. I only read the articles. Next. My mom goes to church. I was baptized as a baby? Take American Express, right? Next. File, please. Whoa. Somebody's been busy. Well, let's get this over with. Sorry, um, I didn't know he was with you. Okay, step on the scale. Not you. Him. Hey, wait a minute. That is totally not fair. That's why it's called grace. Next. The second spiritual blessing I want to thank God for is one that is yet to take place. 
It is based upon a promise of God that can be found in John 14, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, and 1 Thessalonians 4. It is called the rapture of the church. It is the day when Jesus will appear in the heavens to take His church out of this world before the tribulation begins. The Apostle Paul describes the rapture in detail in 1 Thessalonians 4 beginning with verse 13. And you know what? When he finishes his explanation of it he writes in verse 18, Comfort one another with these words. So, the promise of the rapture is supposed to be a source of great comfort to those of us who are believers. But the sad thing is that the average Christian seems to have had little or no knowledge about this important promise. And I know that from personal experience. You see, folks, I was born into a Christian family. I was raised in the church. I went to church for 30 years every time the door was open. And never once did I ever hear about the rapture. In fact, after all those years in church if you had asked me to define the rapture I probably would have said it's a sensation you feel when you kiss your girlfriend. In 2002 when we broadcast our very first television program we devoted it to the promised blessing of the rapture and we attempted to demonstrate the kind of ignorance that exists in the church concerning the rapture. We did it through a series of simulated interviews. Let's take a look at them. Excuse me sir are you a Christian? Well yes I am as a matter of fact. Well, I thought so from that tie you're wearing there. Let me uh, ask you just a quick question, okay? Uh, yeah, just speed it up, make it quick. All right. Uh, what is the rapture? The rapture? Huh, well, now let's see. The rapture, the rapture. Um, don't help me, don't help me. Uh, just give me another moment to think here. The rapture, the rapture. Excuse me, sir, could I uh, ask you a quick question? Uh, sure. Are you a Christian? Yes, I am. Then let me ask you a question. Uh, what is the rapture? Could you give me a clue? It's in the Bible. Uh, it must be in the Old Testament. I've never heard of it. I'm a New Testament Christian. The rapture, the rapture. Come on, come on. I know this term. I know it. Um, uh, don't help me. Just give me a little bit more time to think here. The rapture. Uh, hey guys, could I ask you all a quick question? Are we going to be on TV? Well, maybe. Cool, yeah. Okay, far away. Okay. Uh, are you Christians? Yeah. I thought so from those shirts you were wearing. Well, my question is this. What is the rapture? The what? The rapture. Just a minute. I uh, think they're having some sort of a powwow here. I don't know for sure what we're going to get out of this. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay, you got it? Is it some type of rap music? Excuse me, are you folks Christians? Why, yes, we are. Do you mind if I ask you a biblical question? Well, we're in church every Sunday. I, go ahead, uh, what's the question? What is the rapture? The rapture, uh, I'll tell you what. My wife is the real Bible expert, and I think I'm going to let her answer this Okay. Just give me a minute. I know I've heard that term before. Um, oh, I think I know. Isn't that when Jesus went up on the mountain and revealed his coming glory to his disciples? You know, the transfiguration. Isn't that also called the rapture? The rapture. The rapture. The rapture. Excuse me, ma'am. Could I ask you a question? Sure. Are you a Christian? Yes, I am. I'd like to ask you a biblical question. All right. What is the rapture? The rapture? The rapture is the promise of Jesus that one day, very soon, He's going to appear in the heavens to take His church out of this world.
I've invited our web minister and my fellow evangelist Nathan Jones to join me. He not only designed our website, but is on that site eight hours a day answering Bible questions and sharing the gospel with people all over the world. Nathan, I'd like to jump into this by uh, asking you to deal with two questions. Okay. And uh, the first has to do with how do we know that the rapture is an event that is separate and apart from the second coming? And the second question is what can we determine about the timing of the rapture? So let's start with the first one. How do we know the rapture is an event that's separate and apart from what we call the second coming? I think you just have to read the Bible. I mean, <laughs> when you read the verses that we attribute to the rapture, which is 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 and John 14, and then you read other passages about the second coming, like Zechariah 14 mm. and, and Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, Revelation 19. You put all that together, you realize there is two separate narratives as you read through it. For instance, when you read the rapture verses, you hear a trumpet sound, an archangel calls, a shout, and believers are instantaneously taken up into the clouds to meet the Lord, and there they will live with the Lord forever. And the Lord doesn't even come to earth. No, He never touched the earth. He's up in the clouds. But then you read the second coming prophet. Mm -hmm. And you've got seven years of tribulation, as Daniel 9 tells us. You hear about the Antichrist taking over the world and all the destruction and the devastation. And then you see the clouds open up and Jesus Christ come and He's got an army with Him. He's not by Himself. And the army is of the saints. And He comes down and He actually touches the earth and He defeats Satan and the Antichrist and sets up His thousand-year kingdom. And when you read the two narratives, they're very different. Yes, they're just as different as night and day. The only thing they have in common is Jesus. <laughs> well, that's why I believe that the second coming is actually in two stages. Yeah. The rapture before the tribulation and then at the end of the seven-year tribulation, Jesus' second coming. I think that's a good way to put it, that mm -hmm. the second coming is in two stages. Two First, stages. an appearing of Jesus in the heavens for His church, yes. and then His return to earth to reign. Exactly. Uh, what about the question of imminence? Uh, doesn't that also require two comings? Because the Bible teaches that the return of Jesus is imminent, and yet if you only believe in one coming, the second coming at the end of the tribulation, it's not imminent, is it? <laughs> not at all. The rapture happens like this, yeah. unexpected. The Lord said, keep your lamps lit. It, it, it's going to happen like a thief sneaking in. You never know when it's going to come. But the second coming of Jesus comes after seven years, 84 months of events, including worldwide devastation of 21 judgments, of Jesus uh, uh, releasing those 21 judgments from heaven. And there's many, many signs that go before the second coming, but there's no signs before the rapture because it's an imminent event. It could happen at any time, whereas the second coming has to happen exactly at the end of the seven so, years. So, if you believe there's going to only be the what we call the second coming of Jesus at the end of the tribulation, you should be living looking for the Antichrist instead of Jesus Christ, right? Exactly. And Paul dealt with that with the church in Thessalonica. They were scared to death. They were living in the tribulation. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. You know, the Antichrist has to be revealed. The restrainer has to be removed. And we believe that the restrainer is the work of the Holy Spirit through the church. The church isn't in the tribulation. The restraining influence of the church is removed before the tribulation. Okay. So, again, a good argument that you bring up for why the rapture happens before the tribulation. Okay. So, we've got two separate events here. One is the rapture, one is the mm -hmm. second coming. It's all part of the second coming of Jesus in two stages. But what about when the rapture will occur? Does the Bible give us any clues about when it would occur? Well, there's a, a few views, as you know. There is the pre-tribulation view, which you and I hold, that the rapture happens before the tribulation. There's the mid-trib view, which is the middle. The pre-wrath view, pretty much went just before the bowl judgments. And then the post-trib view, where Jesus Christ comes back 
and then he raptures the church up and makes a U-turn and comes right back down again. And of those four views, I believe that the pre-trib rapture view has the most support. And there's a, a number of arguments. For one, let's start with the post-trib view. The idea that the rapture and the second coming happen at the same time. Well, if the church is raptured up, all the believers are raptured up to heaven mm -hmm. and they're given their glorified bodies, and then they U-turn back with Jesus and Jesus comes down and then he holds the sheep goat judgment where he judges those who are fallen and those who are saved. How could there be any saved because they had already been raptured? There wouldn't be. And they, There'd when be we nobody go, to go in the tribulation because you can't, I mean, into the millennium. You can't go in the millennium unless you're a saved person. Right, right. And, and as we get raptured up, we get glorified bodies Lord. that are eternal. So there's nobody in the flesh. Right. And if there's nobody in the flesh to live in a millennial kingdom, who's having the kids? That's right. There's nobody. There can be no population. So, so I think of all the views, the post-trib view is the easiest one to disprove. Yes. There's also the, the mid-trib view and, and the pre-wrath mm -hmm. view. That would, let's start with the pre-wrath. The idea that, that the Judgments of God are only the bold judgments. The seals and the trumpet judgments are the, the wrath of Satan and the wrath of man. Mm -hmm. But doesn't Jesus Christ open the very first seal judgment? The trumpet judgments, the bold judgments, all come from the throne and the temple of God. It's all judgments. And then when you get into Revelation 15 into the bold judgments, it says this is the end of God's wrath. Well, if it would be the beginning of God's wrath according to the pre-wrath view. So I, again, I don't believe that we will be raptured near the end of the yes. tribulation. Well, I think also another problem there is that if you put the rapture anywhere during the tribulation, again, it's not imminent. No. No. Because <laughs> you've got to wait till the tribulation begins. Well, just read Revelation and the chronology of it. When you, most of Revelation, after John sees the churches and then sees the Lamb slain, the church isn't there at all throughout the entire 21 judgments of the tribulation. But Revelation 19, Jesus returns. Who does He return with? He returns with His armies, the saints. That's the church. So, Revelation proves that the Bible says that the church isn't there. And plus, we're promised not to have to endure the wrath of God. Yes. Revelation 3.10, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. So we are promised as believers in Christ to be rescued from the wrath of God beforehand. Colossians 3, 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. And that's a promise of God that the church is not destined to endure the wrath of God. Yes. You know, uh, mm -hmm. at our recent uh, Bible Prophecy Conference, we had a speaker named Ron Rhodes who talked about yeah. the rapture. And he he made a point in there in a very funny sort of way that I had never thought about before. He, he talked about if you believe that the rapture is going to occur anytime during the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation, then what Paul is really saying in 1 Thessalonians 4 is this. Now, folks, the Antichrist is going to come. He's going to be the meanest guy that ever lived on this earth. He's going to kill one half of the population of the earth in the first half. He's going to kill two-thirds of the Jews in the second half. You're going to suffer like you never suffered before. You're going to be hunted down like a dog. You're probably going to be killed. Now, bless each other with these words. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> is this a blessing? <laughs> and I like what you always say. If the church is the bride of Christ, is God going to spend seven years beating up his bride and then marry her? No, I'm sure when I proposed to Heather, I did not beat her up for seven years and then we had the wedding. She would have not married me. And it's the same. We are a special to God. We are a, a gathering, a gleaning from this time and era to be the bride of Christ. And we, God doesn't beat us up. Well, what do you say to people who come back at you and they say, well, okay, the problem with the pre-trib rapture is it's too new to be true. 
<laughs> there is so much evidence to disprove that. William Watson's book, yeah. uh, Dispensation Before Darby. Just published, yeah. Just published. Great book. It's really heady, but if you chew through it, and he's an expert on literature from the 14 and 1500s and 1600s, and he shows document after document after document that people believed in the pre-trib rapture view or, or were starting to move in yes, that direction yes. well before Darby. And, and he points out many of these books have probably not even been read in 300 years. No. Well, <laughs> Jesus believed in the pre-trib rapture. Yeah. Paul believed in the pre-trib rapture. John believed in the pre-trib rapture. If you want to say new, well, you got to go back to the first century because yeah. the Bible, I believe, supports a pre-trib rapture view. A couple of years ago, a church in Australia produced a short video about the impact of the rapture. It was placed on YouTube, on the internet, and it caused a worldwide sensation. The church, the Potter's House in Perth, Australia, has given us permission to show the video on this program. Let's take a look at it. Jesus Christ is coming back for His church. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, Watch therefore... For you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. I want you to know, church, that Jesus Christ could come this month. Or He might come next week. Or He could even come... That's what I call a powerful video. You know, folks, I think of Jesus appearing in the rapture as our blessed hope, but I'm sorry to say that in recent years it appears that Satan is absolutely determined to rob us of that hope by motivating some very vicious attacks on the concept of a pre-tribulation rapture. These attacks are coming from people who are trying to convince Christians that the church is going to go through the tribulation and suffer mightily. I have prepared a one and a half hour video program in response to these attacks. It is titled, In Defense of the Pre-Trib Rapture. At the end of this program, our announcer will tell you how you can get a copy. I hope this program has been a blessing to you, and I hope, the Lord willing, you'll be back with us next week. And now, as we bring our program to a close, we want to share with you a powerful song about the rapture called 1159. Here's a production of it by our media staff as sung by Jack Hollingsworth of Acts 29 Ministries. Time is winding down, just look around us. Evil's breaking loose on every side. The devil knows his time is almost over. Soon the clock will stop and Jesus Christ will split the sky. Shout it from the rooftops, proclaim it in the street. Tell 
tell your friends and neighbors Tell everyone you meet We all need a savior But we're running out of time He's coming back at midnight It's 11.59 God's prepared a place for all his children. Free from fears and doubt, tears and pain. We must choose our destination. You know there's just one way to heaven. Jesus is his name. Shouted from the rooftops, proclaim it in the streets. Tell your friends and neighbors, tell everyone you meet. We all need a savior, but we're running out of time. Yes, he's coming back at midnight. It's 11.59 Then at the right hand of the Father He'll soon stand to his feet And his son go get the children And bring them home to me So let's shout it from the rooftop Proclaim it in the street. Tell your friends and neighbors. Tell everyone you meet. That we all need a Savior. But we're running out of time. Yes, he's coming back at midnight. It's 11.59. Church, Jesus is coming back. Time as we know it is almost over. He's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle, one who's ready to go. It's almost midnight. It's 11.59. For an in-depth study of the rapture, its nature and timing, you need to get a copy of Dr. Reagan's video program titled In Defense of the Pre-Trib Rapture. The program runs one and a half hours in length and includes interviews with six Bible prophecy experts. The video program can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. And when you order it, we will supply you with a copy of another video album titled Jack Sings. It contains the song you saw Jack Hollingsworth sing on this program called 1159 plus five others. The other songs included in the album are We Shall See Jesus, Leaving on My Mind, Bring Back the Cross, It Is Well With My Soul, and Midnight Cry. To place your order, call the number you see on the screen, or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. 
If you call, please call Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time. Again, the Rapture video album contains six interviews with Bible prophecy experts and runs one and a half hours. It can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. The video album of songs by Jack Collingsworth contains six songs and will be included with your order of the Rapture video. Again, just call the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.